hello and welcome to episode 147 of Spinning Thoughts. We have premiere episodes every single Thursday at midnight Eastern on Adobe Radio. So for those up nice and late right now, I want to thank you for being here. I get it. It's on a Thursday. School's starting back up for a lot of you and, you know, college, high school, wherever you're listening. So I thank you very kindly for being up nice and late for the midnight premiere on Adobe Radio for those listening in the future. That's fucking awesome. Thank you for listening as well. Every episode drops the following Monday on every platform. Make sure you subscribe. We're on Twitter at Spin Thoughts and uh, our website is thespinningthoughts.com. I could do long intros, I can do short intros, but uh, the band, the guy from the band I'm about to talk to, they fucking killed it with uh, track numbers. Uh, They went above and beyond, so uh, we've got a lot to talk about. I can't even waste any more time on my intro because there's so much uh, to get to here. I'm really excited. I've been waiting uh, for quite some time to align our schedules. Everyone, I've got Tyler from Save Face. My man, what up? Hello. (laughs) <laughs> How you feeling, dude? I know I get all the energy flowing there at the beginning. It's hard to keep up with. I'm not even going to try watch it, honestly. <laughs> Bro, this is me all the time. Seriously, that's 147 awesome. that's, in. That's great. That's really sick. So what's shaking, dude? Where are you at right now? I'm just at home. Where's home? In room. It's in northern New Jersey. That's all right. where I've lived my whole life, pretty much. What's the best thing about it? Uh... Pizza and bagels. Pizza and bagels. How about some more specific? I mean, is there a pizza that you really dig? I know that that's probably a hot topic up that way. I had some penne vodka pizza today for lunch. Actually, it was pretty. It was pretty sweet. Um, It sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, New Jersey gets a lot of stuff wrong, but (laughs) we get pizza and bagels right. You know. All right. Well, you know what? Every every state has a claim to fame, and and I guess uh, Jersey has two. So that's I mean that's oh, a plus. Yeah, baby. Yep. Hey, so Tyler, again, I want to thank you for being here for one forty seven. Uh, from the outside looking in, you're a pretty fucking busy man. Uh, that's just my perspective, uh, and and I base that perspective off of the following. So on July the thirteenth of this year, the band Safe Face released an incredible. I mean that. Uh, I really was looking forward to it. Uh, it's a 14-song concept record and visual album. Uh, I believe this was the inaugural uh, Epitaph uh, Records release, and it's titled yeah. Merci. Now, it was highly anticipated. I'm sure on your guys' end just to get it the fuck out there, but just yeah. <laughs> for everyone to hear it, man, a lot of people, uh, from what I was seeing, there was a buzz, a large buzz. It was well worth the wait. So, my man, congrats on this amazing collection of music. Without Thank going you. into crazy detail just yet, how have things been since the release of Mercy? Good. I mean, uh, it uh, it's weird. It's always weird, like especially when you work on something for so long, you know, like I, I, I started writing a lot of these songs right around when our last EP folly came out in uh, July of 2016. So, you know, it's a long process to put it out. And every day that I'm working on those songs, like my perception of the identity of the band, at least the band's creative identity is so attached to like what I'm working on. And by the end of it, like when I think of Save Face, I think of this new record. Um, but for everyone who, you know, cares about our music, they all they really had to go off of was Folly, you know? Yeah. So it's, there's like a, there's a, always a disconnect there between the artist's perception of their work and their creative identity and a listener's. Um, so it feels really good for that to be somewhat more aligned, you know, uh, after just having really like six songs. Uh, in our discography, it's it's nice to have like a much more substantial release. Yeah, oh yeah, I mean it's crazy substantial. Most bands they, <laughs> yeah. they're they're not eclipsing ten on a full length. You know what I mean? For so sure. For sure. um, yeah, I was really blown away. And then we're gonna talk more, but I mean you didn't just leave it at fourteen songs. I mean you you went sure. you went fucking crazy in in a great <laughs> in a great way. Like I mean this yeah. is this is awesome. But uh, what I want to know here again is we're diving deeper into this. Give me some of the general background on the album, as in where was it recorded? Uh, sure. Were there any names outside the band that you would have to say had a pivotal role in its creation? Give me some of that. Sure. So it's um. 
I want, I don't want to miss anybody. We, so we recorded Folly with, uh, Jesse Cannon and Mike Oettinger out at Cannon, uh, found Foundation Studios in Union City, New Jersey. Um, and I honestly forget when I, I want to say it was maybe early spring of 2016 or I'm sorry, 2017, maybe when we did pre-production, uh, for a lot of the songs, I think, oh my God, it's so hard to keep track. Honestly, (laughs) it might've been more like the summer. I don't know. So we did pre-production with Mike Oettinger, um, who, uh, is great. I mean, he did a lot of the work on Folly and it was like just super helpful to like kind of have a f- like you know, Mike was the first set of ears on everything. And pretty much the way that writing worked was I would write uh it was you know, I'm always demoing as I'm writing so I have some sort of tangible thing to listen back to. Yeah. Um that's just sort of like the nature by which like I conduct my songwriting and then I could show the band and they can tell me what they think and you know kind of goes back and forth like that so mike was the first one where we like you know really brought uh him just to hear the songs we wanted to like record um as particularly it was a a lot for the drumming we wanted to get like some decent pre-production drumming recorded um so we could really let chris uh try out all of his ideas and just kind of get a sense for how things could sound um after that, it was just more demoing until we brought it to um, Jay Zabricki at um, GCR Audio in Buffalo, New York, um, who he came out, I think, to the first day of the um, tour that we did for Folly. We did a 60-day full U.S. DIY yeah. tour. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Nuts, dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think Jay came to the first show, uh, which was in Buffalo. Uh, I think he was actually working on something like kind of high profile. I forget what it was, uh, but he like snuck away to come watch us play. And uh, I forget how, but he got in touch with me and uh, invited us to come take a look at the studio. And I don't think we had time then, but on another tour that we did when we were in Buffalo, we had an off day and I hit up Jay. And we went and took a look at the studio and we just like totally fell in love. You know, um, Jay has done work on bands like Head North. Um, he was the assistant on, I think, the last Every Time I Die record. Um, and I believe they were did all of the recording at GCR or at least, you know, a substantial amount of it. Um, it's a beautiful facility. It's owned by Robbie from the uh, Goo Goo Dolls. Ah. Um, it's a really just beautiful facility and jay's gear selection in particular is just second to none honestly um that's what really sold us when we saw and heard just the beautiful rooms they have and saw all of the gear you know like jay has like 30 amps and not like 30 (laughs) you know like crappy and like 30 amps that you would want to use each and every one of them on your record and you need to make the decision on what you want to use yeah um and then that's literally what we did. I mean, we the first day of guitar tracking, we didn't track any guitar. We spent, I think, maybe 10 hours shooting out amps and pedals, um, which sounds insane. But honestly, like I would never make a record without doing that ever again. And honestly, I hadn't really made a record like that. I think we spent maybe four or five hours just trying different drums, bringing drums into the room swapping them out we ended up with like a sort of like a frankenstein kit but it was exactly what we wanted yeah and uh the tracking process was just the most enjoyable one i've had and i think a lot of that had to do with the fact that we we gave ourselves a lot more time than we had given ourselves in the past for tracking um though i do still attribute a lot of that to just jay his personality the way he works and you know the uh the gear he had his at his disposal and his knowledge on how to use it, I think we're all super important. Um, but yeah, GCR was a really important part of that process. Um, I think other people who worked on it, I mean, Vince Wrighty mixed it. He did a tremendous job. We had, you know, like, I think we had 10 different people do test mixes. So we sent off the session to, I think it might have been 10. It might have been maybe one more or less. But we had, you know, a, a lot of different versions of like, 
you know, what it could sound like yeah. pretty much to choose from. Um, and Vince, uh, Vince just killed it. Uh, everyone did great, but Vince just kind of got it the quickest and just made me feel the most comfortable that it wouldn't be as much of an uphill battle um, with getting what we wanted. I think there's a lot of bands who, I don't mean this in a bad way, but maybe don't have uh, a vision with how they want their songs to sound post-production, um, which is fine. And I think it works out for a lot of bands provided they get in touch with someone who complements their style. Um, but we've always been a band that sort of has that vision. Uh, so it's, you know, one thing that I struggle with is finding someone who can execute that. And also at the same time, someone who will try and execute my vision, but also enhance it, you know, because what Vince delivered isn't exactly what I thought, but I think it's better. I think he enhanced my vision. I didn't think, I don't think I could have imagined it to sound the way it does on my own, um, which is ideal. <laughs> um, Beyond Vince, uh, it was mastered by Alan Douches, who's, you know, a tremendous, tremendous, really great mastering engineer. He's mastered a lot of stuff that both you and I and a lot of people listening, uh, a lot of albums that we all have listened to and love, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. um, the other person I'll give a big shout out to is Ryan Ellery. Um, he's an engineer out on the West Coast in the Bay Area. Um, Ryan was actually... Uh, the number two person uh, with the with the mix shootout. It was it was really a tie for a long time. Uh, it was like really they were both really really great mixes, and we just had to make a decision. But Ryan's mix still holds up super well. He's super talented at what he does. Um, Ryan also played all the cello on the record, and um, the first intro, the intro track "Merci" on the record has um has horns upright bass cello and ryan performed the cello and then recorded all of those horns and upright bass which were performed by um sam kless the singer of uh the west coast band just friends and uh eric from mom jeans um so they're just all of like our really good friends and it was really cool to like have them be a part of it and like start the record and have ryan like leave his touch and also like you know submit a mix and everything um, so I can't say, you know, enough good things about them. Uh, and yeah, I that, guess that's just about everyone who's worked on it. I feel like, I hope I'm not forgetting anybody, but that's pretty, that's pretty much it. Gee, I mean, that's pretty crazy. What's up? That's what you just did. There's pretty fucking crazy though. Sure. I mean <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it's a long process wow. and the record really grew along the whole way from just all the different hands that got to, you know, be a part of it. And, uh, I, you know, the only other thing is. I like I and I guess it was really just mainly me recorded all of all of the vocals were just recorded. We did ourselves uh, the same thing with Folly. You know, I recorded all of those vocals, um, which is mainly. Uh, I don't know, it's I have the means to uh, and I, you know, I'm kind of an anxious person. And having the ability to like just try a lot of different things. And I mean, I was trying things in the demos, but when you have like the final drums, the final guitars and everything, you start to hear things a little bit differently. You start to get different ideas. And, and it's also the type of thing where like I could wake up and if, you know, if I just didn't feel good, I could just not record that day and just record the next day. You know what I mean? It's not as stressful as being like on the clock, so to speak. I uh, truly, I mean, I've never, what I'm so impressed by right now is not only how you got this album out with as many tracks as there are and uh, with some other enhancements along the way, but you just rattled off like such an extensive uh, list of names. When sometimes I get nervous when I ask that question to some people in sure. bands because I don't want to put them on the spot. Like maybe they don't remember, maybe they didn't pay attention, but motherfucker, you sure did. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely uh, I definitely have not the best memory when it comes to a lot of, uh, of these things. But I mean, like, I don't know. Uh, it's kind of hard for me to forget a lot of these details when I've you know been working on it for so long. And it's just like the most important thing to the world in the world to me. You know, I totally know what you mean. And it shows through with all of this art. We have premiere episodes every single Thursday at midnight Eastern on Adobe Radio. Those episodes become available on all platforms. 
the following Monday. We're here with Tyler from Safe Face, and I want to talk a little bit more regarding Merci. So for according sure. to your marketing and graphics, and of course, if you just listen to it, <laughs> you'll find out it's it's a 14-song concept record and visual album. What does sure. that mean? Um, it means that there's a, a narrative behind the record. Um it means that there's, you know, a f- for for me, uh, and the way that I wrote it for myself, there's a full storyline um with, you know, characters, a plot, etc. Um, the visual element comes in uh with the there's there's a music video for every song on the record that are all connected where if you watch them in order, it you know, it's like a it's like somewhat of a short film, I guess you could say. It's in some insane. Ways. It's insanely <laughs> awesome. It's insanely awesome. Yeah. I I mean, it's uh it was a lot and it is a lot, but I mean it it was something that it was something that we had started working on long before Epitaph was involved, long before anybody was involved. It was something that I and the band wanted to do for ourselves, like, you know, regardless of anything else. It was just a, you know, a creative endeavor, uh, endeavor that was super personal. Well, I think that, you know, that probably speaks as to why you got picked up by a very, <laughs> very awesome label there in Epitaph. Uh, now, uh, what I really just want to know, uh, sure, s- maybe somewhat briefly, uh, sure. Why, like, why go this route? I love it, and I wish more bands would do it, but you know they don't. And, and oh, sure, yeah, right. But why, like, why spend all this time, right. money, effort? I mean, this is so well thought out. Like, when you could just do ten songs uh, that are, you know, kind of cookie cutter, but still powerful. Why, sure. why do this? And I mean, I a lot of my favorite bands just do that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think there's anything wrong. There's with, not. It, I don't. Yeah, it's. I'll. Most of my favorite bands don't write music in this way. Um, I mean, it kind of goes back to the thing I said. It's just like I really I guess I'll speak for myself mostly. um, And it's just I really like making things. I like making art. I like consuming art. Uh, you know, I could get into a deep, a deep, deep conversation and just how I perceive the world and like what keeps me going as a human. But the core of it is just consuming and creating art. Uh, it's just the only thing that really makes me happy. Uh, so whether or not it even, you know, anyone really cared or listened or whatever, like I just really wanted to do it just because I wanted to make something that I really liked, you know, um, in terms of like the, you know, why a concept record though. Um, and I, I think it's important also to say, and I'd like to like preface, you know, any discussion about it with I, the one fault that I think kind of, or maybe the one misstep with a concept record in terms of consuming it is I don't want people to think that, they have to listen to the record through this lens. Um, I don't believe that art is about anything. I don't really believe in like an absolutist like viewpoint there. Like I can't, I can't tell you what your honest interpretation is now. And in the same vein, you can't tell me what my intent is, but also my intent shouldn't matter in terms of your listening uh, experience. Now, you know, with that said, like the concept was never, this is what it's about. You need to listen to it this way. It was just a, a literary device that helped me say what I wanted to say in a m- more powerful way, pretty much, and helped me sort of organize my thoughts. Um, so when I started writing things and figuring out what I wanted to say, when I when I started, you know, writing a story, it really helped. It helped me put together the record on a more macro scale you know if that makes sense it helped me it turned it kind of into a puzzle and i was able to figure out where all the pieces you know would fit the best um and once it was recorded and once i kind of was starting to look at this thing as you know we started a, you know we recorded the final the final cut for the drums the guitars and i was starting the vocals it became like really evident like how ingrained the story was to me especially just because i was working on it this way for so long 
it it became hard for me to like really remove that. And every time I listened to it or I would work on a lyric, I would work on a part. It was like I was playing out this story in my head all of the time. And I really thought it would be cool and, you know, just another cool artistic and creative medium to explore would be like to actually visually represent that story aside from just sonically representing it. Um, And that's where that kind of desire to like write out a full video treatment for like, you know, a weird short film thing kind of came from. And once like that train you know, started going, it it was like kind of hard to stop it. I was just kind of like really on board for that (laughs) to make that happen, you know? Um, Yeah. So thinking back on these 14 tracks, 14 super well-crafted tracks, I might add, was there one that pushed you the hardest? Was there one that was more difficult to like actually complete for whatever particular reason? That's a good question. I honestly, it's it's hard for me to find time to reflect on things, so I don't have an immediate answer. I, I, I think we wrote, I think we wrote around eighteen songs, and we cut four of them. And some of them were still in their infancy. Maybe some of them were more developed, but just kind of didn't fit the mood as much. Um, and if I remember correctly, I think the last songs that we finished were Jones in yours. Um, heartache was one that took a ton of different directions. And I think the thing is that every song kind of, uh, kind of influenced the other as they were being written. Like, this one would change in a certain way. And then that I'd be like, well, what if I did like, you know, something that thematically extended that in this song and then that would, you know, impact another song. And they kind of started to build upon each other. Um, I don't really know if there was one that was super difficult to complete. If I'm being honest with you, uh, I think they were all just, you know, cause when it was time to cut, like, you know, go into the studio, like we knew what we were doing and maybe we, we changed a couple things once we heard how they sounded in in the control room but you know there was there was no real room for you know rewriting or writing it, you know it wasn't anything like we were writing songs in in the room or anything like that uh we had 10 days to record drums guitar and bass and various percussion for you know 14 tracks uh which is <laughs> you know hard i and i mean you know vo- for me for me i mean it is worth mentioning that we did spend a lot of time on the vocals and you know we didn't have to record any vocals in those 10 days but even still like to get all of that done in 10 days it wouldn't have happened if we weren't as prepared as we were and up until the last day we were working on stuff um and i don't think we left feeling we wished we had more time we left feeling like oh my god we somehow booked the perfect amount of time thank god (laughs) otherwise we would have been fucked you know uh but okay help me understand quickly a timeline here for my own mind so sure sure when would you say the last day was that you recorded the album was it in 17 i think it was probably i think the last day of recording was sometime in fall of 2017 Okay, now, when did you start doing the music videos? So, we started doing, we started working on the music videos in August and September, meaning I was meeting with my buddy Connor, I was talking to the band, and we were working on a video treatment, you know, I was writing out somewhat of like a pseudo script. Did you know at that time you were doing a video for every song? Yes. When did I mean, you I, know that? <laughs> that I mean, was that the plan the whole time? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, there was never a music video planned when there wasn't 13 others planned. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just the thing is I didn't know it was actually going to happen until like the planning really came together, you know? Like day one of planning, it was let's see if we can do this. And maybe two weeks in, it was like, okay, I think we can do this. Um, so there was there was definitely a period of time where it was like, I mean, I guess this could work, but like, have we thought of everything? And that was just kind of, you know, it's not just, well, what's it about? It's not just, 
what's the script what's the treatment it's where are we going to shoot these where are we going to shoot this scene how are we going to shoot them logistically because are we all shooting these on the same day or some of these are overlapping so what videos do we shoot on what days what people do we need can we afford to pay a crew no we can't okay (laughs) like you know that kind of stuff like the logistics of it was what took so so long yeah so Um, when when was the first video recorded when was the final one the first footage that we recorded was not actually footage that you saw. It was footage that was projected in a video that was later recorded. Oh, my God. Um, Yo, yeah. So, <laughs> so there's a lot of um, like so there's one music video where um, our character, um, our character, Caleb, is in a car and there's sort of like you know, light motion around them. There's, we took a lot, we pretty much, we took the roof off of our friend's Jeep and we had a camera going forward, backward, left and right. And we just drove around um, an area that had the right type of, you know, it was just like our, our, like a local neighborhood just to get some base footage that we then sort of distorted in the way that we wanted to for uh, how we wanted it to look. And then that was projected on, uh, we put we put a car in a warehouse and built a box uh, like an aluminum box frame around it and put sheets draped on each side and made kind of like a light box and then we had four projectors projecting each one of those pieces of footage to sort of simulate that car driving but then it had like a layer of visually distorted light etc to kind of give it like that trippy vibe that we were trying to convey and then that was the thing that you saw in the video. Um, so the de- day one was sort of getting that. We did some footage of us playing in front of a white screen that was later projected in another video. And that was a November 30th of 2017. Um, the last day of shooting, I think we are our last day of shooting... We actually, uh, we did two holiday shows with A Will Away last year. And I, I love remember, that band. I love that oh, band so much. <laughs> me too, buddy. They're, they're some of our best friends. Yeah, and I have, a lot, I have a lot more to talk about them in terms of their involvement in the music videos. But uh, it was the day of our Connecticut show. And I was in Connecticut at our location shooting. And I remember I got to the show like an hour before like our set because I was shooting all day while the like a will away and the rest of my band was you know heading to the show um and you know that was around christmas so i think i think our cleanup day might have been either december 23rd or the 24th and then i'm remembering right now as i'm telling you this we needed to do more filming um and there was one video where there just wasn't enough uh, and I didn't re- and it was because we were shooting in a in a higher frame rate so we could slow it down yeah. in post-production. And I didn't realize that. Um, I How could th- you I- miss that, Tyler? Well, Seriously, I know nothing else to think about. <laughs> and the thing is, it really it could have worked. It just didn't work in the way that I really kind of wanted it to. It wasn't as big and grand as I was expecting it to be. Um, which is, you know, it was hard to say because everything was just kind of a one time like, okay, I hope we got it. You know, there wasn't really, there was a lot of video pre-production, but some of it, like, you know, especially the, the, the video that I'm talking about is the one for mercy track eight, uh, eight. Yeah. Eight on the record. Um, and you know, we had like some fireworks in that video and it was mainly, we just didn't blow up enough fireworks (laughs) during that, during that (laughs) shooting process. And I just, I really had no way to gauge that, you know? Um, we were also lighting up fireworks on an abandoned rubber factory on the third floor uh, with, you know, <laughs> like on a set that we built out of like wood and duct tape. So like it's I also didn't want to light off fireworks all day long and like blow up a building. <laughs> um, so I forget when I think it must have been early. You know, it was early 2018. It was early this year. It was um, I guess it must have been right I want to say, oh, you know what? It was after our our last. Okay, it was after our spring tour. I think it might have been May. I think it might have been May or June that we finished. It couldn't have been June. I guess it was May that we did our last shooting, um, which was the additional stuff we did on Mercy. Um, the all the shots with that wall of t- uh, television sets. Um, we went back to our location and we. 
went there and we built that wall. We built the frame and we showed up with no plan, <laughs> which is pretty much the theme of all the videos is kind of like, all right, I guess we have to do this. How are we going to do this? Well, we need it. <laughs> We want to we want to like simulate a car crash. So we need to get a car and then we need to smash it up and then we need to build like a light box around the car and then we want to blow up fireworks in a bedroom and we want to I want to I want to be in one room and then like smash through the wall and end up in a bedroom so it's like it demonstrates that he was in like a dream sequence. It's like you can't just do that. You know what I mean? Like you can't go to someone's house and put a hole through the wall. <laughs> And crawl through covered in blue paint like you you literally can't. So you have to figure it out. And the theme, I guess, of everything in that process was just like, OK, how are we going to do this? I guess we just have to figure it out. Um, and yeah, it was wild. <laughs> I'm just so impressed uh, by everything. I really am. And, and it's just so incredible. I, I highly recommend everyone, if you have not listened to this album, if you haven't checked out these music videos, the amount of time and effort uh, love and passion. I, I can't even imagine any other words at this point. Uh, there's a ton of them. You gotta check it out. It's really cool, really awesome, and, and it sounds amazing. Like, it really does. Um, Thank I you. also <laughs> want to point out just something really quickly here that I think is worth just giving um, some notice to. The the sure. band and the label, Epitaph, uh, you guys all look like for like the first week of sales uh, on Bandcamp, uh, all the proceeds were going to the Trevor Project, a national 24-hour toll-free confidential suicide hotline for LGBTQ youth. And I just think that's phenomenal. Uh, and kudos to you, man, for Thanks. doing you know that amongst everything else that you were focusing on. So very cool. Hell yeah. Thank you. We have premiere episodes every single Thursday at midnight Eastern on Adobe Radio. Those episodes drop on all platforms the following Monday. We're on Twitter at Spin Thoughts, and our website is thespinningthoughts.com. We're here with Tyler from Safe Face. We've been talking about the latest album, Merci, and we're going to listen to a track off of it right now. Everyone, this is Bad off Merci, the latest album from Save Face. Enjoy. So you just finished listening to Bad off the latest album, Mercy from Safe Face. Uh, to just wrap up this entire conversation, Tyler, about the album, all the music videos that were going along with it. Uh, in the music video for Bad, you got to fuck up a lot of uh, equipment. 
So, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of like, for me at least, uh, as a musician and lover of music, I've never really got, I mean, I've, I've accidentally fucked up a guitar. Um, <laughs> yeah. But never have I had the opportunity that Safe Face has had. Please just give me a quick insight as to what that was like. I mean, that had to have been awesome. It was the most like ignorant thing possible. <laughs> and that was like, if we're like, I don't know, like I was trying to think of just like how I wanted to end the video. And like, you know, we have a video where I've smashed a guitar and bands have like done that stuff. And it's like, you know, there's a, a level of like cheesiness to it. So to me, it's like I either wanted to like be obnoxious about it or just not do it at all. And that's why, you know, like Chris is breaking a bass over his yeah. leg. Like that's just it's fucking dumb. It's you know what I mean? Like it's so it's so unnecessary and just wildly ignorant. It's, it's very necessary. It's I'm just, not going to let you no, say that. It's just it, I don't mean it in a bad way. I just mean it in like a funny way. You know what yeah. I mean? Like nobody, nobody needs to do that. And then um, the obvious question, <laughs> though, uh, is whose equipment was it? So um, I bought I was just buying junk gear off people. Um, <laughs> and this was I, I, this was like, you know, I, we didn't we didn't really like it. We got very lucky that we got that, you know, Epitaph picked up the release and everything. But when we started planning, we didn't have them like they were not on board when we planned it we were they were not on board when we scheduled the dates paid the cinematographer paid the editor etc like or like you know scheduled the time at least um and you know we did end up you know very graciously getting that financial support and i'm really appreciative about that but at the time there was no money of like outside of like what we had so I had to, aside from logistically planning the videos, I had to really logistically budget like how much money we had to spend. Um, so I was just trying to find like the cheapest like junk gear just on Craigslist, etc. Uh, that at the same time was in good enough condition where it didn't already <laughs> look destroyed, you know. Um, so a lot of it was just kind of junk gear that I found. Uh, yeah, and it and again, like it didn't look. I don't think it looks like bad. Like before we broke it, it's no, just, it doesn't. I, you know what, what I, I mean? love is the irony. So you're saying, okay, <laughs> we, here we have 14 songs, a music video for each one. You're running on a budget here, so why don't we spend some of that budget on gear that we're gonna fuck up and destroy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's that's the price you pay for doing something, you know, memorable. It, it feels wrong, but like if you're immortalizing it for art and people will remember it, then you know it's it might it might be worth it and i guess that was how we felt at the time i love it man i really do there it's like safe face could do no wrong uh with this release <laughs> so uh th it's really awesome great time uh one of these days i will go out and buy your well actually anyone listening if you've got shitty gear that you don't want anymore <laughs> hit me up and let's create a spinning thoughts music video of me fucking up some gear to bad <laughs> why don't we do that so i, I can live I out would... my dream I'd be down for that. That'd be cool to see. <laughs> we I'd should, like that. We should maybe look into this. Uh, yeah. This could be some good content. All right. I agree. <laughs> so uh, as we're winding out here, episode 147, I, 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 would, uh, I would just be failing my listeners if I didn't give the opportunity to talk about uh, a really exciting announcement beyond uh, everything that you've done thus far. You're going to hit the road. Uh, and there's a lot of tours that have been announced uh, for the fall and winter of 2018. I've got to say, this one is on my calendar as one that I'm really nice. looking forward to. No doubt. And I, it kicks off in Pittsburgh, by the way, which is my hometown. Oh, hell yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So Safe Face will be supporting the upcoming the early November tour featuring additional special guests in, seriously, the Dangerous Summer and the very popular and ever growing jetty bones popularity i mean uh god this is a stellar stellar lineup dude how are you feeling about being part of this i'm stoked i mean uh the early november they're uh they're a jersey band yes and uh they have definitely been super important to me you know growing up love that and, band oh yeah definitely so it's really cool you to, know what honestly uh what's their album that's like three it's like three discs or whatever long. I mean, did you pull from that at all here? In, uh... um, a little bit, yeah. I mean, there's definitely a lot of songs off of uh, off of that that I really dig. I mean, 
I, it's weird. I have like a, a weird music taste. Um, I mean, I always cite Queen, Weezer, and Frank Sinatra as being like big influences. And not that I actively listen to them all the time, but like that's kind of what I grew up on. Like, like I think pivotal points in my life, like especially in the context of my music uh, experience, like they've been kind of big uh milestones for me in terms of like what i was doing at the time um and they just sort of are kind of ingrained in like how i enjoy music and how i like to think about music um but i mean early november is definitely like one of those more like contemporary rock contemporary alternative bands you know saves the day like yeah. those, th- those are bands that like definitely would come very quickly on that list and the the album uh, I looked it up as you were talking the mother the mechanic and the path so yeah uh, you know it's not it's not a short one so you can't get mad at us for not knowing it off the top of our head but. <laughs> no I knew the mechanic was in there because I I for, that song hair I really like and that's off that's oh, on one yeah. of those that song's so figure good. it out was always one that I really enjoyed yeah. like. Um, it just had such a cool build up to it. Oh God, I, I, what a great track! All right, so uh, you can well, maybe they'll play it on this tour. Who knows, Ace? If you're listening, so. and uh, <laughs> God, I know you probably are. Let's play that. So, I actually I found something very cool as I was doing some last minute uh, social media research. It's a real thing. Sure. I was looking you up, my man, before uh, before <laughs> nice. we started to talk. Um, sure. I saw that somebody. Somebody claims, and I think this is probably going to be true, uh, that Safe Face of 2017 was on the road for nine months of the year. Is that correct? Um, I want to say collectively, and it might have not been over a single year, but what I can tell you is that within a 14-month span, I think we played 250 shows. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, it was a lot. I mean, we did a, a lot, a lot, a lot of touring. Um, I look back at a lot of it and wonder how we really pulled some of it off just in terms of like logistics and like mentally being able to endure that much. But, uh, I mean, I, I can't say that I, that I would be in the same spot I am with music if I didn't do it. And if, you know, my band didn't do it with me. So yeah, you guys are like road vets. And so I'm just curious (laughs) you are, I mean, that's, you've had some healthy tours, you know, you, you, uh, you alluded to the 60-day run one um, sure. <laughs> so from last year. Uh, how do you prepare, you personally or the band or whatever, how do you prepare for a tour like this? Um. Yeah, I mean, we did, so after our, we did a tour in the spring, and when we got back, we had uh, basically all of May, all of June before the last, uh, I'm sorry, not the last tour we did, we did a tour in the spring, and then we did a tour uh we left for the day that we uh, released the record right um and in between those two we wanted to get really 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 good at playing our new record because we hadn't played any of it live because we really didn't want to play it until like more of it was out um so we spent all of may and june pretty much we practiced probably most weeks five days a week uh rehearsing together and just we actually um i we had everything mic'd up and we were recording our practices. I would I would listen back and sort of, you know, just pick apart things that I thought we could work on, like review, like how quickly or not quickly we were playing songs, etc. Um, and uh, I mean, that really helped kind of burn it into us, I think. Um, and I, I would really cite that as like, you know, like at this point, we're leaving in two weeks. We're going to practice and try and tighten up. But I think all of that practice that we did back in May is what really kind of, you know, put us in the right headspace to start playing these songs live. And it's sort of that thing where like, you can't, it's like cramming for a test. Like if you're not going to put in the work, like ahead of time, there's nothing you can do in the world. That's going to make you sound great. Like that last minute, you know? Um, So I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) We just had a, like a really grueling practice schedule. Well, you know, I know I've talked to a lot of bands that really kind of cram it in towards the end. It gets nice and fresh. You start to get, you you, you know, you got to get into a flow and a grind with, you know, sure. your band members. And so doing Definitely. it as you're, you know, rounding the corner to, to launch a tour 
uh, makes the most sense that you're ready. It's almost like uh, preseason in football, you know, with yeah. less injuries, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, we're going to practice a bunch before we leave, and it's probably going to take a show or two for us to, like, shake the rust off and get used to playing venues that are much bigger than we're, than we're used to. But, you know, there's also, like, really no practice you can do that gets you ready for that. There's some stuff for tour that is nearly impossible to just put yourself in that headspace until you're there and doing it, you know? You you uh you mentioned when we were talking uh, more specifically about uh, Mercy, the latest album from the band. Uh, mm-hmm. You mentioned you know it's a concept album, right? But people don't have to uh, take it in the same way that you wrote it necessarily, yeah, totally. right? Yeah. And uh, another myth, kind of, with concept album albums that I see people kind of talk about is the like live performance of songs off of them. And so I I, w- I wonder if you subscribe. I would assume you do, Tyler. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, obviously, you're not going to be playing 14 songs in a row. In, in order, <laughs> no, right? We so- have we've we've done that one time, and it was uh, it was so hard. I've never played that many songs in a row in my life. Um, we do plan on doing that in New Jersey at some point. We have a really cool rest of the year planned out right now. Uh, there's going to be some more shows, um, and I think there's going to be at least one where we're going to play the whole record. Um, otherwise we have to, you know, we're going to have to, especially like on, you know, something where we're supporting the early November, we don't have time to play the whole record. And <laughs> it I would be the early November supporting you with that. Yeah. Point. <laughs> and I, and I, I wouldn't want to do that. Like, I'm really excited to play for people that have never heard us before. And I just really want to give them a taste of what the band's about. And right. I think playing that many songs would just be inappropriate. <laughs> so, so here's my question, because everything that, that it seems from the conversation we've had right now, and just from, you know, me paying attention uh, leading up to all this with the album, I mean, you're 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 organized. There's there's a method. While maybe sometimes there's some madness involved with it, it all comes oh, yeah. <laughs> it all comes out uh, really really fucking nice at the end. So, is there that same kind of structure or focus on your set list? You don't have to give anything away, but is there? Do you, are you having that kind of with a with a concept album where there is a certain idea and flow to it? Are you trying sure. to create one within your set? Absolutely. We do that intentionally every set. Um, the thing is, there, there isn't, a, a, there isn't a, a defined set list, though. What we do is we sort of understand, we understand the different keys that the songs are in, the way that they relate together, the different tunings they're in, and we know what songs we can play into what other songs. And we just sort of work out transitions that we can kind of plop in between any given song. So before each performance, we say, here's the songs we want to play. And then we just go over the transitions before we get on stage, pretty much. Um, but the- I love everything about you and your band. I do. <laughs> it's just, you. like, so groovy, dude. Like, the way For you sure. approach it, I like it. Well, and I, I, there's, again, like, there's a ton of bands that I like that have a much more simpler approach that I love a lot. Um, we just really like diff- we like incorporating different performance elements and I mean performance in a more broad sense outside of like this music scene. Like I just like a lot of different aspects of the way different performers perform. And I think we all really, everyone in the band likes incorporating that into our sets. I also don't really have all that much that's interesting to say. I don't really want to talk to people. Like everything that I have to say is in the songs. I don't have much of a desire to be like, witty clever band guy there are some people in some bands that are very funny and just know what to say and i'm very envious of them (laughs) i'm just i'm just not that guy so i just i'd much rather just sort of like figure out what we want to play get that gets it in between each song and kind of put together like one cohesive experience that attempts to engage the audience the whole time and ideally doesn't really let them get out of it until the set's done you know this tour is just going to be really, it's going to be exciting every single night. If you are anywhere near a city, uh, you're going to want to get to it. It kicks off in my hometown, Pittsburgh, uh, September the 12th at the Rex Theater. It goes all the way until October the 19th, and that's going to be a badass show because that's where Safe Face, that's where the early November uh, reside. It should be a pretty banging show. Get out Check them out. The early November, Safe Face, The Dangerous Summer, Jetty Bones. It's going to be awesome. Tyler, uh, before I let you loose here, is there anything else you want to add? Anything uh, that I fucked up? Anything that you would like to say to uh, the friends listening this uh, this episode 147? 
I don't think so. I mean, the record is on Spotify and wherever you listen to music, probably all the videos are on YouTube, on Epitaph's YouTube, and you can watch them in a nice little playlist if you want. And I just ask that, you know, consider taking a listen and maybe share it with someone who you think might find it interesting. And I hope it makes you feel something. I think it's the most creative album so far of 2018. And I mean that. So I highly recommend it. Thank you. You're welcome, Tyler. I appreciate you being here, brother. Thank you. Once again, I want to thank Tyler from Save Face for being here for episode 147 of Spinning Thoughts. Merci, the 14-song concept and visual album is available now everywhere via Epitaph Records. I really, really suggest that you go and listen to these songs and you watch all 14, uh, yes, 14 music videos very creative, one of the most creative, if not the most creative album of 2018. We're on Twitter at Spin Thoughts. Our website is thespinningthoughts.com. We have premiere episodes every single Thursday at midnight Eastern on Adobe Radio. Those episodes become available on all platforms the following Monday. Make sure you subscribe, tell a friend, and I'll be back next week with a band that I've really been vibing on for a couple months. You're going to fucking love them. Until next time, make sure you share music, spread love. Sing.